Are you a marketing or advertising professional looking to stay ahead of the game? Well, we've got the perfect opportunity for you. Advertising Week New York is back for its 19th edition, and it's bigger and better than ever. Picture this, four jam-packed days of inspiring keynotes, thought-provoking panels, and networking with the industry's brightest minds. Advertising Week New York is where the world's top brands, agencies, and leaders come together to shape the future of marketing and advertising. But wait, here's the best part. You can secure your spot at Advertising Week New York during the exclusive Early Bird Summer Sale. Act fast and save 30% on all past types. That's right, you'll have access to every session, every workshop, and every unforgettable moment. Don't miss this chance to gain insights from the industry's trailblazers, connect with potential clients, and elevate your career. But remember, this sale ends on August 1st. Head over to advertisingweek.com slash New York today and buy your pass. No promo code needed. The 30% discount applies automatically. Advertising Week New York, the ultimate gathering for marketing and advertising professionals. Be part of the conversation, be part of the innovation, and be part of the future. Get your early bird sale pass now and join us at Advertising Week New York. Welcome to Great Minds, and our guest today comes from the faraway location of Romania, and we are delighted to have the VP of Marketing of Creatopi, Bogdan Carlescu. Welcome, Bogdan. Thank you very much for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. So it's not every day that we talk to somebody uh, from Romania, a great, great country. I first came to know your country years ago. My career was in sport. And I got involved. I don't remember, Bogdan, all the circumstance, but I was involved when Nadia Comaneci was emigrating to the United States, the great Romanian gymnast long ago. Uh, I think she still lives here. She ended up marrying Bart Connor, another great uh, American gymnast. And uh, we are not going to talk about gymnastics, but we're going to cover a lot of ground. And I'd love to begin just going back. You have an unusual background, not necessarily in the advertising world, but in the IT world and in the cybersecurity world. So I'd love to go back. You work for some great, great companies, Siemens being one of them. Uh, I know you work for Telecom Romania as well, but I'd love to go back on that early foundation of IT technology. And at that point, the definition of cybersecurity meant something very different when you started uh, in the early 2000s. So I'd love to go back to the beginning of your career and get some of those reflections working at Siemens and in IT and in cybersecurity. Yeah, just uh, to, to start with a little joke, uh, on cybersecurity at my, let's say, early stages of uh, learning the basic of it. Uh, I was speaking to uh, our network administrator and uh, I was asking him if uh, our network is protected um, by the from the internet uh, through a firewall. And uh, his answer was, uh, the internet is protected from our network through a firewall. So <laughs> it's... Uh, <laughs> Long and interesting days, 15, almost 20 years back, uh, when I started in uh, in IT and cybersecurity. Yeah, indeed, I'm, a, I would say, an atypical marketer. Um, I, I spent about uh, half of my career 
as a network and security uh, engineer, uh, consultant. Uh, actually, I think uh, chances are that uh, in some parts of, of, uh, of the world, some people are still speaking on the phone and surfing on the internet based on uh, some of my my designs and configurations. So, yeah, I'm 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 passionate uh, very much um, on on technology. I I worked for some uh, great companies where uh, I learned uh, how to enhance technology, but also how to use it uh, in in the sense of helping businesses to grow to thrive. Uh, through technology, and this is kind of um, a red line in my in my professional life to um, use technology independent if it's network, if it's cybersecurity, if it's IT in general, if or it's ad tech to help get businesses uh, grow and and develop. And somehow this is what ties my uh, career, my journey. Um, from engineering to sales to product management, and now into 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 marketing. So let's talk about you worked at two big big companies that we know quite well, Siemens, and you also had a very successful run, nearly five years at Vodafone, um, ultimately managing the whole sales engineering group. Talk about what cybersecurity and what the mobile ecosystem was when you started today it's so dominant the world is built largely for the mobile phone uh everything today is geared around those devices that was not the case when you started um it was not the case but it was not so far uh in the sense that uh, i actually had my my first job in uh in a department that were was implementing solutions for uh, telecom providers. So uh, even I was maybe uh, in the early phases of uh, of uh, the mobile um, internet, it was already there. Uh, not exactly as we know it today, but I can remember those small uh, devices that you can uh, maybe surf a little bit on the on the internet. And uh, it was a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, around those uh, at that time. Obviously, um, cybersecurity was not as complex as it is today. Um, the the threats that exist on the internet now were in much earlier er, earlier stages, uh, but it was uh, also quite an uh, quite an important topic. Um, for example, I had uh, projects where I audited and I um, let's say developed security plans, security procedures for uh, telecom providers in order to protect their own infrastructure against possible threats uh, in, the, in the internet. I would say the, the, the big difference was in size of the devices, um, also on the uh, mobile device side, but also on the uh, provider side. Now what you can have on a, a let's say, um, laptop, you need to have so, so, sort of a uh, 200 kilos device to to cope with that with that power but i would say what we see what we what we can see today uh, in in the internet it uh, it has it it roots uh, in those times um i wouldn't say it was uh, extremely different but the scale was a bit different and uh... Uh, bogdan I, I remember years ago hearing bob greenberg bob in our country 
uh, was the founder and chairman and CEO of RGA, which was in the digital mobile world long before anybody else. Bob was generally uh, way, way ahead of his time. And I remember going to a presentation he did where I think it was the heyday of Nokia. And he was talking about the mobile phone as a computer in your pocket. And I remember walking out of there saying, well, uh, you know, I love Bob. I, I still love and respect him today. But I said, well, I don't know. I mean, what does that really mean? And what do you know? Bob was right. Look what the phones do today between uh, all on the Apple system and on the uh, Android system. Can you reflect on what you've seen, that growth and how mobile technology creating complex issues around cybersecurity with it? But uh, are you surprised? Did you see where it was going and uh, just reflections on the growth and dynamism of the mobile device that we all carry all around the world in our pockets. That's an interesting thought. Um, yeah, looking back, I think the the tra trajectory of how things evolved uh, should have been predictable, but for many it wasn't. Um, speaking of of, of Nokia. Um, they they really didn't didn't uh, didn't see it coming. Uh, they didn't understand uh, understand where uh, the mobile device is is going, and uh, they were I don't know king of the of the market on the mobile devices at some point, and they just basically vanished from the market now uh, because they they couldn't see uh, where where uh, it was going. So I'm not necessarily surprised that many of us, including myself, could not see. Exactly where where this is uh, this is headed, and I think uh, we pay a lot of um, yeah we should pay a lot of, of respect and um, be be grateful for the visionaries that pushed uh, the industry in uh, in this direction. Um, obviously, with this uh, proliferation of of devices and with the power that goes into each of um, in in our pockets. Uh, there are also an evolution on the on the cyber threats. The level of protection that you can you can uh, set for uh, let's say a laptop or a desktop or for a server is completely different to uh, what uh, you can install on a device. Um, and on top of that, the behavior of the user is really different when using a, let's say a mobile device compared to a um, a regular desktop device. Uh, generally, users are uh, much less uh, are paying much less attention to what they do online on the device. Plus, it is more difficult to to see exactly what is uh, what is happening. Uh, on top of that, uh, and yeah, very useful, but also uh, it creates a lot of uh, uh, attack surface are the the various sensors, including microphone, video camera. Everything that uh, is um, exists on a, on a mobile device. So all of this creates an, an attack surface that um, people, uh, not very nice people in the world, are eager to um, use uh, and uh, yeah benefit financially or uh, in other ways um, while uh, stealing data, making devices unavailable. Uh, interfering with uh, with uh, with processes and and so on. So, indeed, it's a it's a whole new category 
from cybersecurity perspective when we think on uh, on mobile. And I would highly recommend to all our listeners to uh, pretty please have an antivirus and endpoint protection software on your on your portable mobile mobile computer because otherwise you are very very much exposed to um, what is um, what is happening uh, in the world and all the threats that are easily accessible uh, through through our devices. All right, l let's come back to that about uh, protecting ourselves and talk about bad actors also. But we mentioned uh, Nokia, and I reflect back on that era. BlackBerry was such a big player. Uh, Motorola was such a big player. I remember when the Motorola Razor came out. That was a big deal. Why do you think, Bogdan, that most of those companies that were the early dominant players on the device side, almost none of them are still around? This is, uh, let's say, um case study for for many for many businesses to to follow what what made apple devices and android devices successful uh is the ecosystem of applications that you can use because uh the device itself no matter how sexy it is it is as useful as the applications that you can run on that device and um, that was the the really big win for um, for Apple and also for for Android devices. Uh, BlackBerry, Nokia, they they missed exactly this uh, the, this let's say part of the of the business model, and that's why uh, they failed. And to some extent, because in, in the end, uh, Apple didn't invent it, the, the device, uh, the handheld device, but um, they got in the business at the right, right time um, using their, their ecosystem uh, of, um, let's say, the entire ecosystem, but to some extent already existed. So um, yeah, I think this is why uh, some succeeded, some failed. Incredible stuff. So let's let's talk about what you mentioned in terms of here's something everybody should put on their mobile device. Other than some app that I put on that blocks a lot of robocalls, I don't know that I have anything on my phone. What should we all have? I, I don't want to, um, let's say, um, point to specific vendors. Although I really love, uh, um, and I think one of the best protection, especially for Android, uh, is uh, is the one pro provided by Bitdefender. So um, you should have an endpoint protection software installed, especially on Android devices. Uh, that uh, will uh, control or help you, uh, let's say, uh, protect yourself against threats that are coming through uh, web, um, threats that may come through um, installing uh, unsafe applications. So um, having um, a dedicated application that can protect you, especially on these two use cases, so surfing the web and installing applications is critical. Also, now, also the, the, the ecosystem, uh, I mean, the Android and also Apple, they are doing efforts to keep their 
um, marketplaces uh, free of uh, potentially harmful applications. Um, but um, from my experience, that is not enough. You need to you need to level up your your protection with dedicated software. And what about for Apple devices? With Apple devices, is a little bit more tricky because the Apple uh, Apple devices uh, are um, Apple is more closed as an ecosystem compared to uh, to uh, Android. There are some options options also for uh, for for Apple, uh, especially in the mobile device uh, management side. Um, yeah, not being an Apple user, I wouldn't uh, uh, let's say recommend a particular uh, software uh, in uh, in this direction. But uh, yeah, there are there are options. Now, um, one thing that I always like to mention when when we when we talk about cybersecurity is um, let's say the user education, because uh, in in the end, uh, cybersecurity is a, is a play between technology and people. Um, technology can uh, always do so much in some scenarios. Users uh, need also to be educated, educate themselves uh, at least to the level of, uh, let's say, basically understanding what does it mean from risk perspective when when you use uh, such such a device. Somehow this is very far on the back of most people's mind, uh, but very front for for people that want to leverage this um let's say options to reach people uh data so interesting and one more question here all of us very commonly will get something pop on the screen that says the password for this has been compromised you should go on the web and change your password immediately most people myself included just want to get on with what we're doing we ignore it and we go forward and often forget to go back and change that password. How big a mistake is that? Uh, there is a funny um, uh, story uh, from my early days at Creative Beam. Um, I am using password managers to keep my passwords safe uh, because um, I cannot remember so many passwords on one hand and uh, it's a very bad practice to reuse passwords. So I'm using a password manager. At, at some point, I was uh, unlocking um, the software on, on my APC, and uh, one, one colleague was passing by, and there was a vault opening up on my, uh, on my uh, display. And, um, and she mentioned something like, uh, this is what happens when uh, your VP of marketing comes from cybersecurity. So uh, Passwords are really, really important. And I have two suggestions in this direction. First, use a password manager. It will help you a lot. And second, if possible, use single sign-on, either from Microsoft, from Apple, from Google, whatever. It's easier to protect very well one account, for example, the Google, the Google account, and use it to um, log in in other services. Instead of using, I don't know, weak passwords, because otherwise it's complicated to remember. So um, yeah, if you get notice that your password was exposed in an attack and um, speaking of secure of uh, uh, specialized software, um, my endpoint protection solution tells me from time to time that they checked my accounts and uh, they didn't found leaked 
uh, information on the web. So it's it's another benefit of having such a thing. Uh, if you are notified that your password was uh, was uh, breached, you should change it immediately. Okay, I I figured that was the case, and uh, <laughs> I think I knew the answer there before you gave it to us. Let's talk about, um, as we start to talk about your new venture, which is really redesigning the whole business of, of an automation platform around ad design. Let's talk about a very popular topic. We just finished Advertising Week Europe. We have uh, Tokyo at Advertising Week Asia in a few weeks. And artificial intelligence, AI, is certainly a very big topic. And a lot of the conversation is around fear and around the unknown, if you will, of where it might take us. One conversation was about, uh, you know, where the whole web has taken on with bad actors, which you referenced earlier, and that there were a lot of unintended consequences of a lot of the platforms that were created, which ultimately have been used and co-opted by bad actors. And there were concerns around that on AI. How big do you think those concerns are? And are there things that we should be doing now as an industry to uh, try to make sure that, you know, AI doesn't just get totally out of control, which I think a lot of folks are, are concerned about. I posted yesterday uh, something on, on LinkedIn on this. Um, because of my background, I have, um, Two, two big group of uh, people in my network, marketers and cybersecurity people. And my LinkedIn feed is a battleground between between the two visions <laughs> on, on AI. Um, marketers, uh, myself included, from this perspective, we are very enthusiastic about the topic. Uh, we are looking at the opportunities, what we can do, how we can enhance things. And uh, we are very willing to try everything. On the other hand, uh, there's the other the other falls from cybersecurity that are um, uh, feeling that doomsday is is coming. Um, I personally think the truth is somewhere in the middle of this too. Um, I I could if if I would have to compare AI with another piece of technology, I would compare it with the nuclear technology. I think it's in somehow in the same class from both opportunity and risk perspective. Um, with great power, with uh, great resources, always come uh, great, uh, great risks. Uh, in the AI um, world, uh, I, I see two directions, um, let's say, uh, as, as risks, uh, risk vectors. One is related to the fact that AI can and will be used. As a, as a tool in uh, complex uh, uh, cyber attacks. Uh, so this is a very uh, uh, genuine and practical uh, scenario that we will uh, very soon uh, see. Um, on the other hand, uh, I also think as many others in the industry that this is a technology that in a certain amount of time can get out of, of our control if, uh, let's say, uh, developed irresponsibly. So as we use um, safeguards, as we use regulations to make sure that uh, we use uh, nuclear power uh, in a safe way we, to harness it for the good of, of the world, um, I think 
the AI as a, as a, as a, let's say, field with a lot of potential, a lot of, of power, um, should follow some, um, let's say, guidelines from this perspective. Uh, the typical issue and the big difference compared to the nuclear, uh, let's say, evolution is that that was in the hands of the state and with everything, let's say, uh, good and bad around the states, it, it, it was somehow in a predictable hand. Uh, AI is very uh, democratized. There are so many developers, um, bigger or smaller around the world, that are, are doing something around the AI. We have big, very big players that push the industry uh, very far. Um, I think the challenge will be for uh, the industry and the regulators to find somehow a balance of how we should develop this uh, in a way that uh, does more good to the humankind than uh, potentially bad. It's such an interesting topic, and, and you reference uh, nuclear power and energy as uh, you know an apples-to-apples apples comparison. There's no global governance or regulatory body for AI. And the advertising industry, as we start to make the leap to what you're doing now, has really blown self-regulation in my view. We just saw news of a Europe EU fine for Facebook for uh, more than a billion dollars for transferring data from Europe to America um, without proper permissions. What gives us confidence that in the absence of a global regulatory body, groups like the IAB, many others don't really have any teeth. How will that self-governance evolve in a climate where there is no authority, either domestically or globally, uh, for true regulation? I think um, this is a very challenging question to answer. And yeah, to be honest, I don't have the answer to this question uh, to be to be straight on. I do have a few ideas, uh, mostly concerns <laughs> than ideas. I think that the the biggest challenge that I that I see now is um, this AI technology being caught in the race between two superpowers. Um, let's just say East and West. And um, if one presses the brake, no one is sure that the other will do the same. And I think from my own perspective, without having, let's say, any uh, insights on this, just uh, looking at how things are evolving and how the world works, um, this is my biggest concern. I think it's very hard at this moment to uh, have a global authority that um, will govern this so um i i don't i don't have an answer to this unfortunately all right, all right. a fair answer and i guess that's just going to be a watch this space as it continues to unfold i love bogdan the way you described your linkedin feed as a uh, battleground between cybersecurity and marketing. You made a leap uh, to a VP of marketing post uh, overseeing all the product marketing, demand gen, and PR at uh, your new company. 
Talk about making that leap from cybersecurity to marketing for yourself. I think for, for me, it was uh, both a matter of, uh, let's say, intent, uh, but also a matter of chance on how things uh, evolved as usual. Um, at, at some point uh, in my career as, a, as an engineer, as a consultant, um, I had the chance to start a uh, very good uh, master degree program, which was designed to, uh, let's say, um, be similar to what an MBA uh, diploma is. And I discovered, um, let's say, the insights of the business world uh, during that program. And that marked somehow my the start of my journey from pure engineering or pure consultancy around technology towards, uh, towards business. So it was, uh, this happened about, I don't know, 13, 14 years ago. So it was kind of a slow move. I started, um, I started with um, uh, sales engineering. It was uh, the closest, um, let's say, connection from technology to, to business uh, that I at least encounter at that, at that point. Uh, then I moved into, into product marketing. Um, it was a natural step for me because I understood very well technology. I understood, I started to understand very well also uh, how business works, what customers want, uh, what matters in terms of uh, features, in terms of, of messaging. So um, that's how I moved into, into product marketing. And I spent a couple of years in, in, in product marketing, both in Vodafone and uh, in, in Bitdefender. Uh, very interesting times. I learned a lot, um, both about the industry, but also about, um, let's say, the other functions of, of marketing. Because as, as a product marketer, I was somehow uh, in the middle of all the functions of, of marketing. I was coordinating um, uh, the initiatives. I was starting campaigns. I was doing a lot of... Uh, um, of um, webinars, a lot of uh, podcasts. So I slowly uh, understood how marketing works as as a, as a system, uh, and I liked it. <laughs> so um, I, I had uh, I had at uh, at some point one of my former colleagues from from university. She she asked me if I would be interested in in having a conversation around a uh, a senior role at Creatopy. Um, yeah, I said, uh, why not? It sounds interesting. It's another uh, growing Romanian uh, company. Uh, I would like to come and help. And uh, yeah, that's how I, I, I landed there one and a half year back. Fantastic story. So let's talk about Creatopy and, and what you're doing there around that intersection of creativity and effective, impactful advertising and automation. Um, it's an area that a lot of people have tried to play in and uh, critics would say the creative product has not lived up to the promise. You're changing that. Let's talk about what you're doing there and, uh, and your first six months in and give us sort of a, you know, take the temperature, if you will, of where we are right now and achieving your broader global ambition. I think um, I, I would start with um, making maybe a little bit of a of a step back and talk about, uh, for an instance, on um, on the importance of creatives. Um, what what happens 
we are actually in, in, in this process, but it started maybe um, one, one year back or so. Uh, the advertisement platforms, especially Google, uh, is starting to use more and more automation in driving the campaigns. For example, Performance Max is taking a lot of the tweaks that uh, the advertisers had at hand when running a campaign. Uh, so to some extent, it's a little bit exaggerated, but to some extent, um, Performance Max and other uh, campaigns, campaigns of this type is democratizing the advertisement space. Uh, it, it kind of brings almost to the same level um, uh, everyone. So it's kind of a pay to play to some extent. Um, what remains on the hands of the marketers and advertisers are the creatives. Uh, and that makes a lot of difference in the performance of a campaign. So using, for example, static um, uh, ads compared to dynamic ads to animations in a campaign can make the whole of a difference. And we experiment this at, at Creatopy ourselves during our, our, our marketing um, execution. So uh, as some are, are saying, creative, uh, creatives uh, are becoming the new targeting systems that we have at hand and a way to differentiate in a very crowded space. So creatives are uh, really, really important. Now, what is um, what we are trying to do at, at Creatopy is to uh, simplify and enhance the, the, the way that uh, advertisers uh, and designers are creative, uh, their assets for, uh, for campaigns. So instead of spending a lot of time uh, on repetitive tasks, we automate as much as possible with uh, classical automation. And uh, we are also starting to uh, incorporate AI technologies so we can enhance the way we we automate. So uh, we lead to a far better efficiency in this process. The designers love to make uh, the, let's say, initial uh, design, but no one no one likes to do, uh, let's say, various forms and sizes for all the channels that uh, that we need during a campaign. So this is one thing that uh, that we are trying to and successfully actually. Uh, solve. Uh, then we also uh, want to take away the effort of customizing, personalizing ads for various languages, for example. Why having to do it manually when uh, the platform can, can do it on your behalf, uh, either based on a feed, either based on where the user is, so using dynamic uh, content optimization. So we are looking to make the work of advertisers, of graphic designers, of marketers efficient. So saving time, saving money, um, um, let's say from the marketing uh, marketing budget. On the other hand, um, we also understand very well, both as, a, let's say, providers in this space, but also as, as, as users of, uh, of advertisement, that people prefer animations. Uh, now, the only problem with animations is that typically it is far more difficult to do a good animated ad compared to a static one. It takes more time simply, and you need much more, uh, let's say, capable designers. Uh, what we are uh, 
uh, doing with, uh, let's say, especially with the latest releases in the platform, uh, is to make animations easy, give time back to uh, designers to um, think more strategically, uh, think more on the uh, one what they want to express and less on the technicalities of creating really interesting and and uh, and uh, dynamic ads. So um, this is where we play in, the, let's say, in the area of creating the ads. But um, on top of that, or extending, I think is the proper word, um, we also want to help in, in delivering the ads, optimizing the ads, as they get into into a campaign. So in a nutshell, I don't want to um, tell the whole messaging story of Creatopy uh, in in one sentence, but in a nutshell, this is uh, this is where we are heading with uh, with um, with our product. Yeah, it's very exciting. Bogdan, Romania seems to really excel in this sector. What is it do you think that's unique? to Romania that gives it such strength in this sector? I think I think there are two big drivers in, in this direction in the in the tech space. Um, not only ad tech but tech in, in general. Um, people were very eager to get in this uh, let's say train of IT and technology and uh, especially starting with with my generation, with the democratization of uh, internet, um, we really have a, a very solid group of people that are uh, good at, at technology, but also good at uh, at understanding how the global economy works. So on one hand, uh, I think this is uh, what what uh, what push push um, Romanian tech economy forward. And the second one comes a little bit from our our culture. Um, we are, um, to some extent, I think due to our uh, history, um, we are innovators. Uh, we are um, looking at, at opportunities to some extent in a natural way, trying try to find solutions that Maybe others didn't find didn't find or um, cheaper solutions than uh, you might think think uh, at at the at the first sight. So I think these are the 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 two drivers. Um, there is also the right context, I would say, for us uh, with uh, with the Romania joining uh, the European uh, Union. Um, access to education in in the EU is is much uh, easier. Transfer of technology from the EU to to Romania is uh, is also something that benefits. Uh, transfer of um, let's say uh, knowledge through the companies that came uh, in Romania through this time. So I think it's 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 a combination of factors that generated this um, let's say proper context for uh, tech to evolve. Great conversation. Well, Bogdan, thank you so much. I'm so glad Justin reached out uh, for us to have this conversation. I sure learned a lot, and in particular, not to ignore it when I get those, your password has been compromised uh, notices. And uh, wishing you every success. And uh, let's see what we can do to get you on the program live at one of the advertising weeks uh, around the world. I think we'd love to, love to get you on stage and continue uh, our relationship and partnership here with you. 
it would be it would be my pleasure it was my pleasure to have this conversation with you and share some some of uh, the insights from uh, both uh, advertising and and cybersecurity great thank you thank you very much <laughs> <laughs>